everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test. I'm Maddie. I'm Austin. And we are here today to talk to you about some things you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And of course, this week we're also going to talk about the Alexander Hamilton musical, which just came out so we could watch it from home in the safety of our couches, and it was great. This was my... Third time seeing the whole thing, and then I used the legally acquirable t- uh, clips in my classroom to teach it. And there were, like, I will say it, it was really quickly noticeable to me that the pacing was different than either of the times I've seen it or in any of the clips or on the soundtrack. Like, a lot of the songs were significantly slowed down, except for Dear Theodosia was like this the whole time. And it was like, this is really this big, big, meaningful, moving song. Why are we having it go so fast? So that really bothered me, and I can't figure out the purpose. I, you know, usually like a live performance will go a little slower or faster. It's like it's never going to be completely like cookie cutter identical. But this was just like a hair beyond it. So yeah, like I've been in theater for over thirty years, and things are going to change every single performance. But this was filmed over three separate performances. So they had to like do some magic to make it all be equally slow or equally fast or whatever they needed to do. My theory is that Disney wanted to slow things down so that kids could understand it better and then speed it up during the quote unquote boring parts that kids wouldn't be as interested in. Yeah, I do. My favorite part of it, though, absolutely was King George. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, like I said, I've seen this show and... He just understands this character in a way the other actors I saw didn't. Like, I was actually bored watching one of the two other ones I've seen. Because it seemed like he was just standing there and singing these lines. Well, King George is just standing there and singing these lines. But there's something about the way Jonathan Groff does it that hooks you from moment one. And you want him to just be there the whole time. Oh, and I tweeted out, I asked, where is he during the curtain call? I found a photo. He's just one of the normal dressed people during the curtain call. Oh, he didn't come out in the costume? No, and I don't remember that being the case the times that I've seen it. Huh. I don't know, maybe something they did early on, or maybe they threw him something on stage. I just don't remember now, but I, let's see, the first time I saw it, Renee Elise Goldsberry was still playing Angelica, and Dreamboat Leslie Odom was still playing Aaron Burr. I'll tell you, every time I watch it and every time I listen to it, Burr seems less and less like a villain and more and more like a Javert kind of character where he really, he's not out to get Hamilton. He's out a little more Slytherin-y than Javert. Like he's a little, he is out for himself, but he's not out to hurt someone else until he, oh my God. And then, until he murders a guy. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's even a spoiler. It's, um, it happened it's, 200 well, years ago. about the musical, like, oh. Because we get through the end and I imagine death so much that feels like more like a memory. Is this where it gets me? Like that whole thing. It's after Burr shoots him. And then it gets to the end and it just speeds back up. He aims at his, his pistol at the sky. Wait, boom. And there's, you just see Aaron Burr trying to stop himself from shooting at the same moment he shoots. And like, who hasn't been in that moment where they say something and at the same time going, I don't want to say this. This is not what I actually mean. Yes. Or, I mean, I've... Like, or somebody, I'm sure there are cases where people like punch somebody and realize partway through that they don't deserve this. And it's just too late. The arm's already going. And then a lot of it's actually very accurate. Um, Obviously, the whole show is inaccurate. And that's actually what I'm going to talk about today. 
But, and Aaron Burr was a bag of dicks in most ways. I am talking about the Hamilton musical portrayal of Aaron Burr. And really, historical Aaron Burr, too. He did do that entire treason thing we covered a while ago. Yes. I think that was, like, the first episode we recorded. I don't remember. I I think it was. was, Yeah, but it was not the first one we put out. Yeah, it was, like, it it wasn't One of our practice episodes. It wasn't great, but... I feel like we've talked about him again since then, too. He pops up. He's just like, and Aaron Burr was there also. I think, didn't Dolly Madison do something with him? Yes. Dolly Madison met James Madison through her friend Aaron Burr. (laughs) That's what it was. Aaron Burr's life is just like fucking fascinating. Like Theodosia was real and his daughter Theodosia was real. And she was the only one of his kids. I think he had others, but she was definitely the only one that survived to adulthood when she disappeared, um, presumably on a shipwreck. But he died the day that his second wife divorced him. And her second wife's lawyer, as I understand it, was Alexander Hamilton Jr. And that is just like this. I love karma. I'm a big believer. Well, I'm a big believer because sometimes like people don't get what's coming to them. But when they do, oh, it's just so fucking sweet. And like, but Hamilton had on his book an appointment for later that day. Like he was not planning on dying that day. He thought that Burr, because by a lot of accounts, Hamilton actually did not aim his gun at him. I mean, obviously there are mixed accounts based on whose accounts you're looking at. But it's like, it's like who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Yeah. But the general consensus is that he did not aim his gun at him. He did have the glasses on, but he didn't aim the gun. But, and I also understand it. I have to do some research to like double check on all of this. But I think I heard this from Lynn, actually, when maybe on Drunk History or something, that he had written a letter to be published if Burr killed him saying, I wasn't going to aim at him. So if he kills me, that's murder. <laughs> and I'm like, I just... I relate a little too hard to this character version of Hamilton. I relate a little too hard. Yeah. You also relate a little bit too hard to Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, poor Austin has gotten to see me when I go through these periods of high creativity and high productivity. And then these periods where it's just, I disappear. Yes. And And the poor guy also, like, Lin talks really fast, which I appreciate because I can understand it. But... (laughs) I get, when I get excited about something, I talk at a pace that a normal human cannot comprehend. Oh, God. Just like watching interviews with him. It's like, oh, cool. I'm married to Lin- Lin-Manuel Miranda, but without all the riches, money, and fame. Yeah, you could be so lucky. I mean, yet, obviously. Our podcast is going to hit it big and we're going to become super famous. I thought you were going to say, yet, eventually Lin will find me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he will. Maybe he's listening right now. I'm sure that Lin-Manuel Miranda is our biggest fan. Yeah. I mean, he might be. I mean, he he's an enigma. He is an enigma. We don't know what podcasts he listens to. He might just listen to this one. Maybe he doesn't listen to any podcasts. Maybe. Maybe, like, maybe he secretly only listens to country radio. That would be, like, the shocker of 2020. Yeah, like, and more than anything to else. Every, yeah, every, <laughs> compared to everything else, like, yeah. Lin-Manuel Miranda listens to country. It's like exclusively. Not, it's like him not listening to podcasts, not that weird. But if he was like the only thing I listen to that doesn't have a visual component is country Western music. That would be the biggest surprise from this year. It's like I've been learning to square dance. My next musical is square dancing. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, did anything, did, we're recording on the 4th of July, which is just a normal day for us right now. Yeah, that's. There's usually a parade that goes in front of our house, but that done got canceled. And it got canceled last year and the year before because of weather. The year before that, Chris Kobach went by in his gunmobile. Yeah. Where he like literally had a 
fucking what what was it a bazooka or some shit no it was just a replica of a browning machine gun yeah it was disgusting and it goes by a school and there are children and he thinks this is okay and actually i did some research it was legal for him to own but not legal for him to purchase the parts with which to make it also it got stolen no his real guns got stolen oh his oh oh that's worse. Like, oh, someone yeah, stole he his had, gun. No. He had several unsecured guns in his vehicle that got stolen. And I also researched, it's not illegal to have unsecured and fully loaded guns in your car in no, Kansas. It, it is in some states, but not here. So you can just carry around guns yeah, all it's, you want. It's so irresponsible. Yeah. Like, no, don't do that. Please don't carry around loaded guns and lock them in appropriate cases. And if you are going to go outside because you're super scared of an angry mob, at least put some shoes on. Yep. Or. And don't put your finger on the trigger the whole time. Or put on a shark mask and wave around a flag <laughs> and talk about how you do not want to wear a mask. Yes, that is a real thing that happened at our county board of commissioners meeting where they were discussing whether or not we should wear masks. A guy came in wearing a full shark mask to protest the wearing of masks. Was his goal to, was it like, I didn't watch it because I was at work. Was his goal to like tell people you look ridiculous in a mask or? I cannot figure out his motives. It was just like, he's like, I've been assumed positive for coronavirus for four months now. I'm wearing a mask. But you shouldn't have to wear a mask. And I don't want to wear a mask. But I'm wearing a mask. And this is America. I have a flag. Well, if you have a flag. If you have a flag, it's official. Having an American flag protects you from coronavirus. That's actually like part of coronavirus's bylaws. I have been breaking all the flag codes by just wearing American flags as masks to both show I am a patriot and protect myself from a virus. Oh my god, flag code is just the most baffling thing. Like, all these ways that you're not supposed to use the flag are 100% of the ways the flags are used at Trump rallies. Also, like, Trump rallies are getting crazy. Everybody's getting coronavirus, and the Native Americans stopped them from getting to Mount Rushmore for a while. Like, I just love it. Oh, that was that was a trip. That Draco's being adorable. He is kind of nestled into our curtain. Well, he did just take his first ever dose of anxiety meds. So maybe he's just a happy boy now. Yeah. Because um, those, those work instantly. You ever taken them? No. Sometimes, I'm not saying instantly, but sometimes you can feel it within about 15 minutes, and it's been about 15 minutes. So we just got our cat super high, I guess. Yeah. Um. So we mentioned last week that we had to take Fezzik to the vet. Well, we had to take Gigi to the vet this week because we found an abscess on her butt. We might have mentioned that when we were we recording last time, which we believe was another bite because we couldn't find anything else. And so we're assuming it was Draco because he's usually the instigator. And so we talked to the vet about our options. We took him in for a physical, couldn't find anything wrong. So now he's super high on anxiety meds. We are excellent cat parents. Hey, most people would just like, let's see how this plays out with a tiny bite on the tail and stuff like that. So I think we're pretty good cat we're parents. We're pretty good cat parents. But man, Zumbi is our like queen of mischief and she is the only one not getting in trouble. I think we both ha- said at the exact same time in different rooms, it's like, Zumbi causes mischief, but she doesn't cause trouble. Yeah, like, she's, she is so funny. Like she likes to come in and tap dance on us when we're trying to sleep. She came in and tap danced on me during Hamilton. So I feel like she was like, I can be on Broadway. Look at me being in Hamilton. <laughs> Zumbi, no, you're thinking of Newsies. She's like, but I was going to unionize all the cats. <laughs> we're, we're, we've been talking about this for a while. Who yeah, goes, I think it's like, I know mine's a little bit longer than usual. Mine's short. Oh, cool. Well, not short, but shorter. Oh, so it's only going to be seven hours. Yes. So is it me this week? Yeah, you're going to go first this week. Okay. Well, that is good because we were just talking about the Hamilton musical and I will be talking about Hercules Mulligan. Did you ever hear about Hercules Mulligan in history class? No, not until I saw Hamilton and he became my favorite little side character. 
Yeah. Uh, Which, he's... Did, did he have sex with horses? Because I think that's what he was saying in his song. Um, okay. Lock up your daughters and horses. Yes. That is what he's yeah. saying. And I guess also, then, if, if it's hard to have intersex through four sets of corsets, is he also wearing Inter- corsets? Is it intersex? Intercourse through so- four sets of corsets. He's, he's saying your mama's fat. Oh. Yeah, that's exa- that is a your mama is so fat joke. Oh, good, because I thought he was wearing the corsets to have <laughs> sex with horses. I mean, to each their own other than bestiality, obviously. But yeah. no, it's... um. Heard your mama said, come again. It's hard to have intercourse over four sets of corsets. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess he could also be talking about group sex, but every time I've listened to it, it's read to me as a yo mama joke. Okay. But, but, based on what you saw there, how old would you estimate that he was when he met Alexander Hamilton? Early 20s, late teens. Yeah, no, not in reality. What? Tell me about the reality. In reality, he would have been mid-20s at the earliest. I have the age somewhere in here, and I'm, I've am i lost it. 24, I think. Oh, okay. And ma- married. Really? Yeah, or about to be married, depending on exactly like what month in which he met Alexander Hamilton. Not known for telling people to lock up their daughters and horses. <laughs> Not really into people's mothers, as far as I could tell, although he did make his own wife a mother eight times. That's a lot of kids. So he was into mothers, just not other people's, I assume. Yeah, so Hercules Mulligan's an interesting one. And I actually have a quote in here. Here we go. We didn't learn about him in school for a couple of reasons. One is he technically isn't a founding father. He did the entire revolution kind of hinged on him in some ways, but he was technically not a founding father because at no point was he a politician. Okay. And I know not all of them were like, I I don't really remember what happened with Ben Franklin, but he was never like, I'm going to be a senator, then president. He did, like, he ran some stuff, but... He was a diplomat? Something like that, yeah. He just did a lot of snuff. Yeah, and a lot of women. But uh, Hercules Mulligan was never a politician, and he never wanted to be a politician. He was just a fucking rabble rouser from the time he was really young. And there is almost no information out there about him either, because he was smart as a spy and didn't keep any of the correspondence. Yeah, that is good spy work, so... So when we're talking about the musical, uh, Okierte Onadawen, called Oak who plays him, and I'm sure I butchered your name, and I'm so sorry, who played him in the original Broadway cast, said, when you want to make choices, you want to know what they liked, what they cared about. Hercules, there's not much on him, so I was like, eh, create a dude. Because <laughs> there really is very little out there on him. I actually wanted to do Hercules Mulligan a couple, uh, I feel like years ago, but a few months ago, it hasn't been a year yet. And I, I looked at the Wikipedia page, I'm like, oh man, there's nothing. Then I decided to look again. There's actually a lot and a lot of color. Wikipedia, get your shit together. There's so much out there that you guys didn't even bother to write in there. Oh my god, Wikipedia. So Hercules Mulligan was, as the show tells us, a spy. He leveraged his position as a tailor to get intel on the British troops. However, he was more interesting than just that alone. I mean, after all, his name is Hercules fucking Mulligan. So he doesn't have a choice in being interesting. He was born on September 25th, 1740 and moved to the Americas when he was six. Now, this is something I pointed out to Austin earlier that suddenly popped into my head. There's that line in Hamilton where it's immigrants, we get the job done, and it's Lafayette and Hamilton. Uh Uh-huh. Lafayette was technically not an immigrant because at no point did he, like, move to the U.S. He was given honorary citizenship later on. But at no point was he like, I am no longer French, I am American, or I have dual citizenship. He was technically not an immigrant. Hercules Mulligan was. So he was just more or less on vacation, but it was more of a war vacation. Yes. Yes, he was on a mission 
airy trip? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we don't know a whole lot about his child. The next ti- childhood, the next time we see him is at the age of 25. So he's actually older than that when he met uh, Hamilton. When he joined the Sons of Liberty. Now, they didn't really use that phrase a whole lot when we were in school and learning about this stuff, but a lot of what happened at the beginning of the American Revolution was the Sons of Liberty stirring shit up. The Sons of Liberty was a secret society that formed the idea of no taxation without representation. It was founded by Samuel Adams to fight against the Stamp Act and rights in, for rights in general. It kind of disbanded after the Stamp Act was repealed, but not really. You know what I mean? Yep. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> and the name was technically later given to other groups. Definitely not the same group over and over. Oh, no. Now, I could be wrong in my assumption of that, but based on everything I read, it sounds like it was the same group over and over. They popularized the idea of tarring and feathering government officials, which had previously been done by sailors to punish other sailors. Hercules was one of the original members, and other members included John Hancock, Hancock Paul Revere, and Benedict Arnold, who does come back in this. God, those are like three of the like biggest blowhards in history. Mm-hmm. In the musical, Hercules mentions, I'm running with the Sons of Liberty and I'm loving it, which is iffy because they were technically disbanded by the time that he says that in the musical, but he's still running with the Sons of Liberty. So <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things that it exists and it doesn't exist. It's the Illuminati. Middle of the Sons of Liberty are just the Illuminati. Ooh, they could have been. I mean, or Freemasons. There's lots of Masons Freemasons come up in this. <gasps> Yes, they oh actually. God, we're hitting all the. We're hitting all. Freemasons the... come up in a very interesting way in this, but the thing to remember is that they were basically all motherfucking Freemasons. Oh man, we're hitting all the conspiracy high notes in this one. Yes, yes, we are. Yay! In 1770, he was involved with one of the early battles that would lead to the start of the American Revolution. Kind of like how the whole Jayhawker thing technically was the first battle of the Civil War without actually being called so. That's what this is. Okay. Which was the Battle of Golden Hill, in which the Sons of... He was with the Sons of Liberty. This was six weeks before the Boston Massacre. But we forget about this one because there's a little less massacring happening. And it was because the Sons of Liberty felt like they'd been betrayed by the government and the British were actively campaigning against them. And they'd been putting up like these liberty poles just to piss off the British and the British had been knocking them down. They kept putting them up and making them stronger and the British would keep knocking them. It was basically a dick measuring contest. (laughs) So the Sons of Liberty captured some soldiers and then there was a fight between the Sons of Liberty, the British soldiers and the townspeople. And there may or may not have been one death. Lots of blood bleeding. Some reports say one death. Some reports say no deaths. So basically they had like a big bar brawl. Basically, yeah. And then we know he went on to attend King's College, which later became Columbia University. So he was born in 1740. He met Hamilton in 1773, making him 33 years old when he met 19-year-old Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) Oh, so he was just the gross older guy hanging out with the college kids. Oh, they lived together. Oh, wow. Yeah. He met Alexander Hamilton. The two became roommates. And I mean, we kind of tend to focus on the friendship or perhaps more between Hamilton and Lawrence. But there was actually Hercules Mulligan. If it hadn't been for Hercules Mulligan, there would be no Alexander Hamilton at all. Because Alexander Hamilton was a full-blown Tory. He was, I love the British Empire. I want England to keep running us. I don't see why we want freedom. This is stupid. I want nothing to do with this. So Hercules Mulligan is actually the primary person who turned him around into saying, we need to be free from England. 
So Alexander Hamilton didn't come in with these ideals. He was a 19-year-old kid. You know how 19-year-olds are super stubborn like we were. Yes. This guy managed... Wait, were? There's a difference between 34-year-old stubborn and 19-year-old stubborn. Yeah. And this 33-year-old dude managed to convince him that all these beliefs that he, a very smart man, had were wrong and he needed to channel them in a different direction. So yeah, he ended up moving in with him as well and alexander hamilton but as far as i could tell was kind of a couch surfer <laughs> like not surprised the same year is the same year that hercules mulligan got married so he was living with hercules and his wife and they had and eight kids so man alexander must yes. have gotten like they did not dude, already have up. eight kids they got married the same year that hamilton moved in with them and then he went from moving living with them to living with george washington <laughs> now most of Washington's aides did live with him, so it wasn't weird. And that's kind of where the whole Martha Washington named his to- her Tomcat Alexander Hamilton. It's because she got to see how much he got around because he was doing it in her fucking house. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so that same year that he met Hamilton, he married Elizabeth Sanders, who was the niece of Admiral Charles Sanders of the British Royal Navy. So Hamilton's living with them. And Charles Sanders was actually pretty important in the British Royal Navy. So Hercules Mulligan, you'd think, would start being a little bit more of a British sympathizer. It's not what happened. <laughs> not even a little. Uh, after graduation from King's College, Hercules worked briefly as a clerk in his brother's accounting company. His brother's a guy named Hugh, who later goes into like goods and services. And it's just important. Hugh comes up against later. Uh, Hugh also introduced Alexander Hamilton to him. They knew each other first. Hugh is older, so I don't know how Hamilton found this other, even older guy. But I mean, he does what he wants, I guess. I actually couldn't find any reference to Hercules Mulligan ever being an apprentice tailor. What? Yeah. So like in the musical, he's like, yo, I'm a tailor's apprentice and I got y'all knuckleheads and loco parentis, which is actually not incorrect when we think about it now. Because oh, yeah, he was 33. Because he was older than all and of those. He, he was take, well, I don't know if he was older than all of them, but we know for a fact he was older than Hamilton and was actually taking care of him. <laughs> So, yeah, he did have that knucklehead and loco parentis, at least. Wow. Um, but also, I couldn't find anything that said that he actually made clothes. Huh. He was a tailor in that he owned a tailor business. He greeted customers at the door and he did their measurements. He hired people for everything else. Now, he might have learned to sew during this because there are a couple of times where he had emergency stuff that actually is important that he had to do. So maybe he did sew, but I never found a single thing about him ever apprenticing under a tailor and i'm pretty sure that king's college didn't let you major in tailoring yeah that would be a weird thing for columbia to offer yes in 1775 despite running his already successful tailoring business hercules also became a member of the corsicans a new york volunteer militia <laughs> so he is still technically in the sons of liberty which doesn't exist yes And he's also in the Corsicans. Alexander Hamilton was another member. And in fact, most of the members were students or recent graduates from King's College. This group would later become the core group of soldiers in Hamilton's battalion. So these are basically his college buddies. He's like, all right, guys, let's go die. And then he still acted in the Sons of Liberty, who in 1776 knocked down a statue of George III. But how on earth do we remember that George III existed in the American Revolution if they tore down the statues? Oh, and they they made it even worse, Austin. Because not only did they tear down the statue that would make us forget history, they turned it into bullets. They melted it down and made it into bullets to use against the British. Yes. I fucking love revenge. I love it. 
So no, knocking down a statue does not make history go away. If it did, then we would have a lot less terrible things that happen in history. Also, okay, those people who are saying that if you knock this down, you're destroying our history are the same people who are saying if we don't test for coronavirus, we have less coronavirus. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. There's a logic doesn't factor into a lot of stuff. So anyway, back to Hercules and his tailoring company. This is when the treason starts. Because remember, at this point, treason would be against Britain and not America. Mulligan didn't start his tailor business to be a spy. He started it because he genuinely kind of liked doing this job. And his being a renegade was kind of his side hustle. He enjoyed the relationships he formed with these British soldiers and these American customers alike. And of course, he liked the money. But between his marriage to this niece of a high-ranking military official and his tailoring company, he began to develop a lot of these relationships. So of course, Alexander Hamilton is like, hmm, how can I use my friend for my own benefit? So in 1777, Hamilton was working as an aide-de-camp to George Washington, which basically means that he was a confidential assistant. And he went to his friend, Hercules Mulligan, and was like, hey, so you know how you're like buddy-buddy with all these British people and they've come to really trust you? You want to help me fuck them over? And Hercules was like, fuck yes, I do. So he began to gather information. Now, think about like going to the hairdresser and how you just talk to them about things. And you talk around them like they're not really, like, like the information's going to leave their head the moment that you leave. That's kind of how tailors have historically been viewed. Huh. I mean, we even see that a little bit when we watch, like, How I Met Your Mother when he's getting tailored. So the British soldiers, and on top of that, Hercules was incredibly charming, and he was flattering them. He'd tell them, like, how great they were and how much he believed in what they were doing and all of this. So they told him every fucking thing. <laughs> Despite him being a member of the Sons of Liberty and the Corsicans, which could not have been a secret. Oh, no. Because, like, that whole, you know, two can keep a secret if one of them is dead thing is very, very true. Did Ben Franklin say that or is that misattributed to him? I'm, I can just assume that Ben or, Franklin has both said everything and said nothing. Oh, no, I think, he sa- I think he said three can keep a secret if two of them are dead when Pretty Little Liars changed it. I keep trying to get him to watch Pretty Little Liars. I'm pretty sure He'll Benjamin Franklin is just in... Okay, I want to read you Pretty Little Liars, but have it starring Benjamin Franklin <laughs> instead of one of the Pretty Little Liars. Pretty Little Liars completely recast with different founding fathers, but it actually make an absurd oh. amount of sense. Oh, no, no. Not all of them. No, no, just, no. Just Ben Franklin it, in a high school. See, that wouldn't make sense. But if it was just the fa- uh, group of the founding fathers, I want... Okay, at least come watch the pilot with me, and I want you to mentally replace them with founding fathers. Okay. It will make... Oh, frightening amount of sense <laughs> okay we'll watch pretty little liars all right we'll report back next week if it is, assuming it's still streaming i think it is i have no idea anymore um so one of the cleverest things he did was when these guys would come in to get their uniforms repaired he would of course ask when do you need this by and then he would start getting similar answers from a lot of them now if they need it by a certain date that's a pretty clear indicator of when they're planning on doing something Yes, like, oh, we're going to be our whatever group is leaving New York City on the 15th. So he'd figure out, even if they weren't talking beyond I need it by this date, it would give him an idea of when something was happening, what kind of group was going, how many people. And then so he would tell his enslaved person, Cato, about this. Now, Cato 
is a badass. And there was actually more on Wikipedia about Cato than there was about Hercules Mulligan, even though there's more about Hercules Mulligan in general. Cato is what they called a black patriot. A black patriot was someone who fought for the Continental Army during the Revolution, and it's believed that there were about 5,000 of them. Wow. We never once heard that. No, we did not. And in fact, a 1985 Daughters of the American Revolution article said every estimate of the number of minorities who participated in the American Revolution has been deceptively low. I wonder if they let non-white people in, though. I don't know much. I mean, non-white people, I'm sure, but as long as you can prove lineage. Yeah. But like if somebody came in and was like, hey, I can prove that I am the great, 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 great granddaughter of Cato. Do you think they'd let her in? I don't know. I don't know any of the rules. I do know that they are very demanding of genealogy stuff. And if we can't get it, they do want to speak to your manager. (laughs) So we actually, we don't know much about Cato's relationship with Hercules Mulligan. We don't know what level of respect and trust there was, anything like that. But we do know that Mulligan could not have been a spy without Cato. Mulligan became a member of the Culper Ring, so he's now a son of liberty, a member of the Corsicans, and a member of the Culper Ring. Um, although he was more of like a lone wolf for the Culpers, which was a Revolutionary War spy ring organized by Major ben- Benjamin Talmadge with the name taken from Culpeper County, Virginia. The leaders were Abraham Woodhull and Robert Townsend using the aliases of Sam Culper Sr. and Jr. Hmm. I have a vague memory of this from school. Yeah, it's, I think there was like a movie or a TV show that came out about them like a couple years ago. Uh, Washington actually directed most of the operations from them. And it focused on him getting information about the British Army in New York City. But that's a whole other episode's worth of stuff. So via the Culper Ring, Hercules and Cato did a ton of shit. Also, Hercules and Cato, like that sounds like the like the title of a really badass like cop movie. I can just like see like Hercules and Cato coming this summer. Mm-hmm. And like one of them's like, you know, hanging out of a helicopter. The other one's going, I'm too old for this. It's the reunion of Vin Diesel and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They finally made up. That's never going to happen. They're too stubborn. I know. They're both 19-year-old Alexander Hamiltons. Although I will never not take the side of Dwayne The Rock Johnson unless something gross comes out about him. Yeah. I I like like both of them, but like they've got beef. They've got bad blood. And it used to be mad love. (laughs) They are the new Taylor Swift and Katy Perry. And you will not convince me otherwise. Katy Perry and Taylor Swift made up. And they did so while dressed as food. Yes. So maybe if we just dress them both up as food, we can make this happen. <laughs> so the British assumed that Americans wouldn't use enslaved people for anything important. So they just let Cato go about his business, even going on ferries like with him across the river to take stuff to Washington, like to George Washington. He would have a box that says H. Mulligan Clothier on it. And a lot of them even knew Cato because he worked for Hercules Mulligan, who did most of their tailoring. So they were just like chatting with him as much as they would chat with anybody and just let him go because they assumed that nobody would use a slave like this. (laughs) They were very wrong. In fact, Hercules and Cato were directly responsible for saving the life of George Washington on more than one occasion. Late one night, a British officer showed up and told Hercules he needed a rush job on a coat. When Hercules asked why, he said, in detail, that there was a mission the next day to capture Washington and gave him all the information about it. So as soon as the officer left, Hercules was like, hey, Cato, <laughs> I need you to go on a late night trip to go visit my buddy George. 
So George Washington found out this changed his plan for the next day. The ambush didn't happen because he changed his plans. Two years later, in February 1781, British General Sir Henry Clinton found out that Washington had planned to travel to Rhode Island via the Connecticut shoreline. So Clinton ordered 300 troops uh, in boats to intercept him. Well, he made the mistake of hiring Hercules Mulligan's brother, Hugh, to be the guy they bought their provisions from. Wait, there was a Hugh Mulligan too? I mentioned him earlier. That's right. Sorry, there's lots of names. So Hugh was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to make this massive sale. Let me just give my brother a call. So he let Hercules know. Hercules sent Cato and result- that resulted in Washington rerouting and get completely missing the ambush yet again. <laughs> now, neither Hercules nor Cato were completely without suspicion, though. In 1778, the British provost marshal of New York City, William Cunningham, began to wonder about Hercules and especially about Cato's frequent independent travels to and from New York. Because even in the North, I mean, he could have left at any time. He could have just chosen to not go back. And he always went back. So he was like, hmm, this seems a little weird. Also, do people really let their enslaved people travel this much by themselves? That's weird. So he captured Cato and he interrogated him and he even tortured him. And Cato was like, fuck you, I'm not talking. So uh, then Hercules was arrested after the defection of Benedict Arnold. Ah, oh, son of a bitch. Benedict Arnold and William Cunningham both testified, testified, both testified against Hercules saying, he's a spy, he's a spy, we need to take care of this. Neither one of them actually had any evidence (laughs) because Cato hadn't talked and he had done such a good job of covering his tracks. So Hercules Mulligan and Cato were both let go. (laughs) But this was after as many, like he might've been in prison for as many as five months while this was going on. They were still being watched, so both Hercules and Cato stopped communicating with Washington directly, and they would instead send everything via the Culper Ring, and they destroyed everything, which is why everything is gone. Like, we don't have any actual first-hand accounts from them. There is one other time when he was nearly caught. Now, this could be one of those family folklore things, because it does come from his great-grandchildren, but it doesn't sound completely implausible. So he was talking to one of his contacts, but noticed he was being watched, so he ran, and the guy chases him. Hercules Mulligan runs into the local Masonic Lodge where he is a member. The guy chases him into the Masonic Lodge. However, the other guy is not kicked out, so he must also be a member of the Masonic Lodge. And instead of, you know, letting him take Hercules Mulligan or kicking one of them out or whatever, they made them sit down and talk about their differences. (laughs) So apparently the Masons were like, you're not taking him in. You're going to sit here and you're going to talk this out and you're going to find a reasonable solution. And apparently that's all that ever came of it. Wow. Because the Freemasons made them sit down and talk about it, like wear their get-along shirt. (laughs) However, Hercules Mulligan had played his part so well that even after the revolution, his neighbors didn't believe that he was not a British sympathizer. And they were threatening to tar and feather him. So Washington was like, well, we can't have that. So after an evacuation day parade, evacuation day is like the celebration of the last day that the British people were there. Washington went to Hercules Mulligan and said, I need you to make me a full set of civilian clothes because my military days are over and now I am just a a man. So he was saying to them, basically, I trust this person, so you have to. And in turn, Hercules Mulligan got to put a sign up that said, Clothier to General Washington, which of course ultimately led to him becoming one of the most successful tailors in New York City. He and his wife had eight children, couldn't find much about them other than the fact that his oldest son was trained to be a lawyer by Alexander Hamilton. And Hercules Mulligan continued to work until he was 80. He just liked it. 
Wow. And he died at the age of 84 or 85, depending on your source, in 1825. Then what happened to Cato? No one fucking knows. <laughs> but what we do know is that Mulligan became a founding member of the New York Manumission Society, which was an early abolitionist group that worked to end the slave trade in New York City, ban slavery at large, gradually emancipate existing slaves, and protect free people of color, providing both legal and financial assistance and attempting to create educational systems for black people. Other members included John Jay and Alexander Hamilton. Almost every member, if not every member, owned slaves. And I don't mean owned them, realized this was bad, and then freed them, and then started this. No, they owned them while they were doing this. Um, <clears throat> that's having one of those things, it's a question about Alexander Hamilton. We know he was anti-slavery, but there's a lot of evidence that he had a couple of slaves. So that is Hercules Mulligan. Wow. Mm-hmm. Somehow he was actually more interesting than the musical led him to be. Yeah, and also I looked at a picture of him. Uh, he was not a large, imposing man. Was not, was no, he was a little Irish guy. Just a little, little, do, little Irish guy. Doing Irish guy stuff. Running around, not being a giant. Wow. Not making Yo Mama jokes and threatening to rape your horses. I know. Well, he was he was Irish. He might have been making Yo Mama jokes. It's true. But that could be really anybody. Yeah. But yeah, the version of him in the musical, there just isn't a whole lot out there. So Oak just kind of got to create this guy. And that's kind of fun. Yeah. Are you ready for your questions? I am ready for questions. All right. Will this be on the test? Hercules Mulligan is a big reason why Hamilton joined the resistance. Yes, because we get to talk about Hamilton now. There were over 5,000 black patriots who fought on the American side during the revolution. Yes, I think that'd be on the test. You ever hear about them? No, but, you know, this is also a different era, so maybe we'll hear about them now. I hope so. Hercules Mulligan is a pretty good indicator of why you should watch what you say and who you say it near. Yes. <laughs> His slave Cato existed. Yeah, I think that would have to be on the test. And most people in the New York Manumission Society owned slaves. No. We tend to forget that about a lot yes. of people that were important in early America. But yeah, so that's uh, Hercules Mulligan. So without him, there are two separate times at least in which George Washington would have been kidnapped or killed. Alexander Hamilton would have fought on the British side. And we would have had our asses kicked if that was the case, because yeah. that dude was a fucking genius. And he managed to spy on people openly. He wasn't even, like, being sneaky about it. He was like, here, let me measure your inseam. Now tell me again all about your plans. <laughs> How he was not figured out earlier or really at all is baffling to me. Like, my guess is that it comes from embarrassment more than anything else. Like, these British soldiers are like, oh, shit, I know where he heard oh, them. No. I know where they found them. Oh, dear. <laughs> that was neat. Mm -hmm. It was actually more interesting than the Hamilton guy. It was... Well, I don't know. I haven't done research on Hamilton yet. No, I mean the, his portrayal in Hamilton. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder who else is more interesting than their portrayal in Hamilton. King George? King George talked to trees, yes. Oh, that's right. He was actually insane. Oh, actually, uh, he had a, um, Hercules Mulligan also had a haberdashery. <gasps> he made hats? He made hats. So maybe he was crazy as well. Who knows? He might have been as mad as a hatter. He might have been as mad as a hatter. Wow. Well, I can tell you for sure that Peggy Schuyler is significantly more interesting than they let her be in the musical. And she was more than just a petulant younger sister. Yeah, she was a badass. And Betsy, not Eliza, as far as I can tell, most people called her Betsy, is a goddamn champion who we we wouldn't know anything about Hamilton if she hadn't stuck around. Angelica was literally a genius. Like, that's not incorrect at all. But she was married already when she met 
oh. Hamilton. Like that's <laughs> and they also had five brothers. There were a oh. lot. They had a big family. There were brothers. I can't remember if there were other girls. I feel like there were five brothers and three sisters, but I, it's been a bit since I've read. That is, that is a long book. <laughs> I haven't read the whole book yet. Oh. I'm just talking about like basic research I've done. We'll try to figure out who I'm going to talk about. Okay. You believe you me? I'm talking about the fucking Skylers at some point. Work. We never hear about them in school, and no. they were actually kind of important. But no, like, my favorite story about Peggy, because I don't think I'll be able to get a whole episode about her, is her name was Marguerite, and their house was being besieged by Native Americans, and they realized they'd left the baby downstairs. Like, everybody's hiding upstairs because there are arrows flying in. They're like, oh shit, the baby's down there. And her response was, I'm the only one here with no kids. I'm the least risk. And so she went down to get the baby and brought the baby upstairs, and apparently she, like, yelled something at them, like, you're firing at women and babies? Yeah, brave people you are, or something like that. <laughs> Um, now, granted, there's a whole other layer to Native American part of this, but, and don't yeah. quote me on what she said. I know she yelled something at them. She, she seems like, she sounds like a, a but yelling. But, like, no matter what, like, if your family is having anybody shoot things through your windows, you're the badass if you go downstairs to rescue the baby or the dog or whatever got left behind. I mean, the dog is usually self-rescuing, you can call them. Eh, I mean, if you've trained your baby well enough. Nobody trains their babies anymore. It's I like know. They don't fetch. They don't come. I've never seen a baby heal. <laughs> That's why so many babies just have limbs falling off. They just don't heal. Doesn't matter how good the stitches yeah. are. Uh, Wordplay. Is that why my Franken babies always? <laughs> oh, so now that we're off, now let's get off of our grim topic and talk about something that almost everybody loves: the Olympics. Okay. The Olympic Games. Specifically the modern stuff. We're not going to talk about the Greek stuff because we all we learned a bunch of stuff about them already. Uh, also, interesting fact, Plato, the philosopher, he was an Olympic wrestler and was a champion wrestler. Me too. So yeah, he would just uh, get oily and naked and wrestle guys super good. Yeah, that is one thing we never talk about. The fact that wrestling was initially done in the nude. Yeah. And I mean, it basically is now when you look at, like, I remember even being in high school. I mean, like, that... I don't know why, but this makes me uncomfortable. Yes. <sighs> so, like, it would make me less uncomfortable if they had been naked. I think I'd have been more uncomfortable if they had been naked. It's like, I don't, I don't understand what they're wearing there, but... The singlet? I don't either. It's like, I feel like... It's, I guess it's designed not to get pulled down and you're put into a hold so people don't get to see your butt. Like, okay, it, it would make more sense for them to wear a dance belt than that. Full, like, uh, full, like, bodysuit. Like, gloves yeah. and mask and well, everything. I mean, I guess, I guess the full bodysuit would be because, like, it would be too slippery. Uh. The cloth on cloth. But I don't know. I, those, those singlets, especially because they were always shiny. Yeah. Like, bright silver, reflective. What is happening? So you can't sneak up on anybody. That's a big part of wrestling is not sneaking up on someone with a chair. That's the other kind of wrestling. That's that's the only one I know. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the Olympics because the Olympics are canceled this year, which sucks because Japan was hosting and it was going to be amazing and so cool and like just technologically advanced and fancy and awesome. Eh. They were going to have artificial meteor showers. I mean, the opening ceremonies are always very cool. And then I don't watch anything else. Yeah, and it was, it was going to be awesome, and I would have loved it, but it's canceled. So I'm just going to talk about some past Olympic things that happened. Okay. So we're going to start off, and it's not great things I'm going to talk about, because it's, it's this is this podcast. I'm going to talk about the train wrecks of the Olympics. Literal train wrecks? Not literal train wrecks. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, it's like, um, yeah, they, they stopped having the train racing events after some really bad crashes. 
Like that one in Texas where they were like, come watch us crash two trains into each other without realizing that when trains crash, stuff flies off and kills people in the audience. And a, and a boiler exploded. Oh, that was awesome and awful. Geniuses all around. So at first I'm going to talk about the 1972 uh, men's basketball final. I always forget that basketball is part of the Olympics. It's because America dominates it so much nobody watches it. Mm. And that was true to, in this case too because uh, the United States uh, had won the first eight games just and dominated through them. There was no doubt of their victory. I just realized I've only ever been to one basketball game and it was at the Goodwill Games. What? Yeah. Cool. I, I remember being bored. <laughs> the United States had won all seven Olympic basketball gold medals up at that point, And they had a perfect record of 63 wins and zero losses in basketball. So they were kind of a big deal. Uh, and then this last game, and then their final against the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union was very much the underdogs, even though they kind of cheated. And they had professional basketball players who they just said were soldiers. So they could get around the amateur requirement. Okay. Yeah. So, and of course, America, the none of the NBA players were allowed to play. So our best basketball players weren't in the Olympics. It was mostly college and amateur players. And you know, they still won handily every time. I mean, we're like the one country in which basketball is a really big deal. Yeah. Like, I think there are whole countries where the entire concept is foreign. Yeah. So it's like we dominated in basketball. Yeah, but... but in this final game, the Soviet team had a great first half. They were up somewhere between four to eight points the entire game, and the score at halftime had the Soviets winning 26 to 21. And that's when things started to get dirty. Dwight Jones, the U.S. team's top scorer, uh, and a Soviet player, Mikhail, got into a fight over a loose ball scuffle, and both players got ejected from the game. An American player... Ivan Dvorny uh, was also ejected when he protested the call from the bench. Then, a minute after that, Soviet player Alexander Belov violently fouled Jim Brewer, and Brewer was unable to continue playing. The referees did not make a call on that foul. Wait, like, so Brewer stopped playing, but the guy who fouled him didn't? Yeah, he got so hurt he had to stop playing, and the guy who fouled him, they didn't see it, so they didn't make a call on it. So, you know, come on, ref, get your head in the game. Yeah, listen to what Zac Efron says. Yeah, exactly. If this had been a musical version, I'm sure it would have been fine. This is still not nearly as violent as that recent KUK State basketball game. Oh, we're getting there. Okay. With about 10 minutes left in the game, the Soviet team had a 10-point lead, but the Americans started pressing hard, and they caught up. With seven seconds left in the game, They the U.S. was only down by one point. And then Doug Collins stole a cross-court pass and was fouled by Belov. I don't know anything about basketball. How is stealing a pass a bad thing? Uh, he's basically, he stole the pass and then Belov uh, just checked him. Oh, okay. So the the foul wasn't stealing the pass. No, the foul wasn't stealing the pass. The Soviets fouled him after he caught the pass. And he was granted two free throws with three seconds left on the clock. Uh, he, made, he sunk the first one, tying the game. And then um, as he started to shoot the second shot, the big controversy began. A horn sounded from the scorer's table, and the ref and the referee looked up to look at it, but never single signaled a stop to play. So Collins made his shot with with these couple of seconds left. But it turns out the Soviet coach had signaled for a timeout before the shot was, and it had not been acknowledged. And they wanted their timeout between the free throws. 
which was allowed in the rules. It just yeah. human error had made it so they didn't get their time out. So then uh, there's a big, boring sports ball rules argument that happened. And eventually, um, even though it actually, according to all of the rules, it shouldn't have happened, the IOC, like, director of basketball intervened and said, we're giving them their three seconds on the clock. So, like, because they had their time out and also gave them some substitutions, even though it had never officially been declared a timeout and the Americans got mad about that because they wouldn't have been legally allowed to do substitutions okay yeah it's like sports ball rules things were happening did so, he make that second free throw or not he made the second free throw okay so, so they were america uh, won the game at this point so then play resumed but play resumed before they could reset the clock so the ball was passed down the court as the buzzer sounded and a guy made a last second like tip that hit the backboard and bounced off so they didn't make a point so america thought they had won at this point but the Soviets protested, saying they didn't get their three seconds that should have been on the clock. Another big fight broke out. America had already left the court and were celebrating when they were told they had to come back onto the court or they would lose the game via forfeit. Yeah. I hate sports. Yes. So then they reset the clock and started this play the third time. And you know, Team USA was furious. On the third attempt, they made this cross-court pass, which one guy just basically flung the ball as hard as he could to yeah. a guy on the other end. And they referred to it as the golden pass in Russia because it made it. And the guy down the court managed to make the layup, putting the Soviets one point ahead of the Americans at the last moment and winning the game. Oh, Jesus. Uh, the United States players refused to accept their silver medals. Mm-hmm. And in hindsight, they absolutely did lose that game by all the rules of basketball. They did not win it. And there's also some accusations that the referees were bribed and Olympic officials were also bribed. So the Soviet Union could have um, 50 gold medals in the Summer Olympics of the 50th. Okay, so and by they didn't win the game, you mean the... The United yeah. States didn't win the game. The Soviet Union won the gold medal. Yes, I understand that, but... By the rules of basketball? They should never have put those seconds back on the clock. So by the rules of basketball, the United States won. But the Olympic Committee upheld that the Soviet Union won these gold medals. And the Soviet Union was bribing people. Yeah, there were accusations of it, no proof. One player, one of the American players, actually has it in his will that his family and all of his descendants are forbidden from ever pursuing his medal and trying to get it from the Olympic Committee. Because they have offered several times to give this team their medals. Uh-huh. They have universally refused. But the Soviet players came home and were greeted as he- heroes, even though there was a little bit of tarnish because of all the, like, you know, controversy around their win. Mm-hmm. And of course, much of this controversy was almost immediately forgotten in the 1972 Munich Olympics after nine Israeli athletes were taken hostage by Palestinian extremists and the incident resulted in 17 deaths. Fun. So it got overshadowed. So lots of people don't even learn about this. It's been in a couple of basketball documentaries, but it's a widely forgotten thing, forgotten thing in history. And it's the first time America lost at basketball in the Olympics. Um, they have lost a total of three times and have and yeah and have gotten the bronze medal twice now in basketball. So yeah, that was basketball. Now we're gonna go on to the fun part because you have been so excited through this. I hate basketball. But come on, this was fun. It's like, this was the miracle on ice, but the other way around. And we never learn about it because the Soviets won. I wonder if they've got like basketball movie versions of this. I've never learned anything about the Olympics, so. Okay. Well, don't worry. We're going to learn more about the Olympics because we're going to talk about the 1904 St. Louis Olympics and the marathon they had. 
it was part of the 1904 uh, St. Louis you know, World's Fair, which was only there because uh, Chicago and New York fucked up, and they realized they were having this uh, Lewis and Clark celebration at the same time, and they'd set up for this big festival. So they moved the, the World's Fair to St. Louis, which is when they built the Arch. Mm-hmm. And it was America's first time hosting the Olympics. And the people running in this marathon were a pretty ragtag bunch. Most of the participants were actually Americans. Like, I think it was like about 5% of people actually came internationally. So America, it was pretty much only Americans were in the Olympics. And the same thing was true with these runners. They're mostly Americans. Here we go. There were the experienced runners and like people who had been in marathons before. Some Boston Marathon winners. People who had been in marathons in Greece. In like the Marathon Marathon. Um, Um, Apparently all of whom don't know that the entirety of... The entire concept comes from somebody who died at the end of doing it. Yeah, marathon runners are crazy. But in amongst these experienced runners, there were some other people as well. There were 10 Greeks who had never run in a race before, who had entered in the marathon. Of them, only one managed to complete it. Uh, there were two Africans from the Swana tribe in South Africa, who one was running barefoot. Mm-hmm. And they were there as part of an ethnic exhibit at the world's fair and yes it was exactly as bad as it sounds it was like there was like mud fights and people trying to climb greased poles as part of these ethnic displays and ethnic dancing which is basically just come look at this zoo exhibit of people of color white people yep that sounds about white yep and my personal hero was the five foot tall cuban national felix carabal who was a postal worker in havana when he came he basically ran around Cuba trying to raise funds so he could come compete in the Olympics. And when he arrived in New Orleans, he gambled all of his money away <laughs> and had to hitchhike to St. Louis. By the time he got to the marathon, he hadn't eaten in 40 hours. And he arrived in a street shoes, a dress shirt, and a beret. And he was wearing a pair of slacks that he had cut with scissors to be shorts. Sure. Like right there on the line, like before it started. Did he win? Oh, no. <laughs> So on this day, because it was St. Louis in the summer, instead of starting it in the morning like they do in most Olympic games, they decided they wanted to start it in the afternoon. It was 90 degrees and humid. Uh-huh. Uh, also, the roads were not closed, so while they were <laughs> running, they were dodging traffic. Oh my god. Also, these were dirt roads, and it was dry, so it was very dusty, which means the people, like, there was, like, support staff following them in cars, which was kicking up a lot of dust. And the roads were uneven, and they were rocky and hilly, and one guy actually almost died because he collapsed from the dust inhalation, and it was causing hemorrhages and tears in his stomach and esophagus. You know what helps with that? Water. Masks. Yeah, masks help with that too. But you can't run with a mask on. But they were also weren't drinking water, because at the time, they assumed uh, purposeful dehydration was good for athletes. Sure. So there was only one spot to get water. It was from a well, and it was around the 22-mile mark, or 12-mile mark. I can't read my handwriting. Another professional runners, because of the dust, started vomiting and just gave up. Also, one of the Swana tribesmen, who ended up finishing in 12th place, uh, got chased off of the course when he was attacked by a pack of wild dogs. Oh, Jesus. And had to run a mile out of his way to get away from them. Did he finish the race? He finished the race in 12th place. And that's with him having to run a mile out Went of the way? An extra mile out of the way. So, like, he would have fucking... He got chased by dogs. He would have fuck- fucking won. No, he wouldn't have won even then. He was also barefoot. Yeah. He could have won. He could have won. His fucking dogs. So... The first man to cross the finish line in a time of just under three hours got there because he got tired and he hitched a ride because the roads were open and he got off 
and then um, finished and ran in to finish the race. He claimed it was a joke, but that was only after he had accepted the award from Alice Roosevelt and people started yelling at him because they knew he had cheated. So he uh, declined the award. The second man to cross the finish line actually collapsed when they made it into the stadium where like all the people were sitting and was carried across the finish line by his trainers. That's still cheating. Still cheating. He was ended up Oh, he was awarded the gold medal in this. Which, by the way, this is the first year they had gold medals. Before that, it was just silver and bronze. And third place got nothing. Well, it's like, I've seen ones where people get, you know, a place in a race when another runner stops and helps them across. But I feel like if your trainer's doing it, that's cheating. Yeah. But like, And also, though, in that case, the other runner isn't just carrying them. They are still moving. They've just gotten injured. So let me tell you about, because he had, they had been doing this purposeful dehydration with him. Well, to give him a stimulant and a little bump to get him across the line, they had been using a performance-enhancing drug to do this. And do you know what that drug was? Cocaine. No. But everything was cocaine. No, this was um, egg whites mixed with strychnine. They, the belief was that strychnine in small quantities was a like stimulant and would help give you that little pep you needed to get across the line. So they had it confused with cocaine. Yep. To, they did that to improve his running. And because they were refusing to give him water, they were only giving him French brandy for his thirst. Oh, brandy's so good. Yeah, but I not when want... you're dehydrated and rat poisoned. I mean, if I'm already dehydrated and rat poisoned and I don't have a st- fucking chance, maybe some brandy would be like the last thing I'd want. Like, yeah, yes, um, just give me that brandy. Apparently, he had started hallucinating that he had still had 20 miles left in the race when he only had oh. two. His skin was just gray and pallid. He was running mechanically. He was unresponsive. He was just on autopilot. Uh-huh. And... This was also the first known case of an Olympic athlete using a performance-enhancing drug in an event, which was, this was before they put bans on doing that type of stuff. He was declared the winner, even though they, they pulled him across. It was, it is, it stands to this day as the longest, is the, like, longest gold medal winning marathon runtime. So this was the slowest, the slowest win in Olympic history. He had lost eight pounds over the course of the race. I just, I don't get it, like... I've known a lot of runners and it's like this point of pride for them when they have to stop and puke and when they have to wet themselves. Yeah. I'm like, that's, no, that, so that's your body saying no. That's uh. your body. Like that is what happens when you die. Like when you're, when, when your body is shutting down, it is not uncommon for your body to like, hmm, what's in here? Let's expel it through our mouths and through our, and through, and through our. It's like, you're, you're going to poop bladders. yourself. Well, be careful. Your nipples are pretty chafed. Yeah. It's like, your body is telling you no. Yeah. He couldn't leave. He couldn't get up to leave the the arena until an hour later and with the assistance of four separate doctors because he was in that bad of a shape after his marathon win. It's kind of insane the things that we ask of these athletes. Like, remember Carrie Strug? No. The one who uh, was the gymnast who broke her foot and her ankle and then still had to do the second jump. Oh, God. You don't remember this? don't remember this. This was 1990. Was that an Olympic year? I think that was. Yeah. It was Atlanta. And I think it was Atlanta. And she was doing the horse, you know, that thing where you do the jump over the horse. And she landed funny on her first one. Ouch. Broke something in her foot leg area and collapsed. And so her trainer comes out and is like, what happened? She's like, I'm broken. Something is broken. And he's like, okay, go do another one. And she did. And she landed it on both feet and managed to stay upright. 
and I think she ended up getting the gold medal. But wow, because she did it perfectly. But the stuff that we ask these people to do, especially because nowadays they're like what fifteen years old. Sometimes even younger, and they falsify records. Yeah, I think it's. I think they've changed the safety to be a minimum of sixteen now, technically. Uh huh. Yeah, but you know, um, we falsify records. Not we, yeah. but people falsify yeah, records. Yeah, there's other countries that have been provenly falsifying people's records to get younger gymnasts to compete. Look, I'm not saying America wouldn't do that. I'm saying it'd be harder to get away with. Yeah. So we're not done yet because let me tell you about the fourth place finisher, and it's our buddy Felix with the slacks and the running shoes and the beret. Okay. He probably could have won it, but he uh, kept stopping to chat with people over the course of the race. (laughs) He uh, was talking to someone, so they had some peaches. He hadn't eaten in a while, so it's, hey, can I have those peaches? They said no. So he stole some peaches out of their car and ran off eating them. Which is probably how he ended up in fourth. He had to run really fast. Um, Then, later on, he was running by, he saw an apple tree with some apples on it. So he stopped to pick some apples and eat them, but they were rotten. So he ended up getting a pretty bad stomach ache. So he laid down to take a nap. (laughs) I'm sorry, is this your grandfather and he just haven't told me? I wish. I mean, okay, this guy sounds like he was reincarnated into your grandfather, though. Yeah. He took a nap. Then he got up and finished the race in fourth place. Yeah, he would have won. He would have won. It, like, would have been him and then the barefoot guy. Yeah. So um, here's another note. In uh, 1906... The Cuban government decided they were going to send him to run the a marathon in Greece, but he never made it there. He got uh, he disappeared in Italy and was presumed dead. They even published his obituary back in Cuba. Oh, he just met a girl, didn't he? No, um, he returned to Cuba months later on a Spanish cargo ship. No one is entirely sure what he was up to during that time. He met a girl. Yeah, that's what that's what happened in that time. Yeah, he uh, competed in several other races and never did as well against, like, professional runners. So in the uproar over the cheating, the near-death experiences, and all of the disasters that were part of this marathon, uh, several people in the Olympic committees were uh, started to argue that the marathon should be abolished. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Sullivan, the director of the 1904 Games, said he didn't want it to be back in 1908, and he said, I am personally opposed to it. It is indefensible on any ground, even though it's historic. The marathons were not canceled. And we still have to put up with marathon runners to this day. But in 1904, it was that close. Okay, what would marathon runners be talking about if they weren't able to run marathons anymore? Scuba diving. CrossFit. (laughs) So yeah, that is the Olympics. Was that enough to get you to not miss the Olympic Games this year? I was never going to miss the... Well, I, I was... No, let me rephrase it correctly. I was planning on missing the Olympic Games this year. Yeah, um, we're not huge sports ball fans in this house. No, not even a little bit. Like, And even talking about like big sports ball failures, like you were falling asleep over there. The basketball one, yes. I was more interested in the marathon. Oh, God. The, ba- the basketball one was exciting, though. It was, like, it was like neck and neck game. But the Soviets won, so we never hear about it. If America had won that game, I guarantee you there'd be eight movies about it that we would have watched in gym class. I never got to watch movies in gym class. I had to do gym class stuff. Oh, we always have to, like, it was during, we had, because in high school, when you took gym class, you had to take a written final for some reason in our school on gym. Yes, and my written final expressly said that basketball was invented in Kansas, which it was not. It was not. But, you know, we'd we'd take our gym final, and then when that was over, we'd just sit down and watch um, the first half of Remember the Titans every time. I actually used to teach near the Remember the Titans school. Ooh. It was, like, literally walking distance 
from where I lived. Neat. And there, of course, is a big sign like, from the movie, remember the Titans. I'm like, okay, can, how's your academics? <laughs> <laughs> so are you ready for some questions now? Sure. Will the 1972 men's basketball loss be on the test? Yeah. Will the fact that rat poison was is, can be used as a stimulant be on the test? Well, I mean, considering how good they were with our D.A.R.E. program, absolutely they'll put that on there. It's something that you like, can use as a stimulant. Kids, don't try and get high with rat poison. Don't, but seriously, kids, do not try and get high with rat poison. You will die. That It's poison. It will kill you. Basically, if it's not a drug that has been prescribed to you or is being, like, FDA approved, don't take it. And even if it is FDA approved... Like, be wary. Like, Ally, the weight loss drug, it's not safe. It's not safe. Will the fact that someone tried to cheat by hitching a ride in the car in the 1904 Olympic marathon be on the test? Yeah. Will Felix be on the test? I sure hope so. <clears throat> and will the fact that Plato was a champion Olympic wrestler be on the test? Not, well, I mean, not, we're talking about the modern Olympics here, so no. Yeah. So I just like, I like to share that fact. Plato was a wrestler. So yeah, that is my that is my little thing. Did you learn anything good this week? I learned that anyone can run a marathon if they're allowed to take a nap in the middle of it. Yeah, hell, we can run marathons. We'll just take map naps. I mean, if it'll you, take us six days to cross. If you add up all of the amount of time I have spent running in my life, I have probably run a marathon. Yeah, we've, we've definitely run a marathon. <laughs> Over the course of our lives. Yes, over the course of our lives. Especially, dude, if we were allowed to just hop in a car and cheat for like 10 to 12 miles of a marathon, I still wouldn't do it. See, I was the kid whose gym teacher said, uh, you're not running good enough. You have to keep running laps while the rest of the class watches you. So I've gotten a lot of extra running done in my day. I'm still really angry at him for that because like, that's not okay. No, nope, that, that is, is not, not how you treat a person, that especially is, an eight-year-old. That is a bad teacher. Yes. He was also drunk, so. Yeah. Oklahoma? No. Arizona? No. Kansas? Yes. Wow. Yes. Ugh. I bet he was Shark Mask Guy. Uh, wrong. Well, no, he would have been in Johnson County. Shark Mask Guy. Confirmed. Uh, I mean, He definitely had a lot of drunk gym teacher energy about him. Unless he's lost a lot of weight. He had a, he had, there's definitely some gym teacher energy about this guy. I love gym teachers. And like, that's kind of, I had some really bad gym teacher experiences growing up. But I will say my favorite teachers to work with were usually the gym teachers. They were like super respectful of theater and help. And we would actually sit and like, okay, is it possible for us to reasonably share students or do they have to choose? And when we were like, okay, they don't have to choose. How can we best set this up so that it can be successful in both? Like they were the most, most accommodating to the arts. Like they get a bad rap on like, you know, glee. Glee. But really the gym teachers are really big supporters. God, Schuster was the worst teacher. Oh my God, right? Like, I mean, Jane Lynch's character was a fucking villain and also a terrible teacher, but I would have rather had her than creepy McSchuster. Yeah, like, she was definitely a villain and a bad teacher, but she had moments where she was a good teacher and was, like, doing good teacher things. Schuster never did. I mean, she actually managed to talk a kid down who had a gun on them. Schuster couldn't have fucking done that. Oh, no. He would have tried to tap dance his way out of it. It's like, although I will say, for, I, I skip that episode every time, but I will say, like, he does try to go find one of his kids, and I get that. But overall, like, he, his relationship with them was creepy. Yeah. And I was very close with my students, and I'm like, okay, that's creepy. There is a line. 
I mean, there was that one time I accidentally dressed identically to one of your students. Yes. That was really fun. There was a time, too, where you came to visit me, and you were dressed identically to me, and my kids were like, and this is, what, what did they refer to us as? Um, they shipped us. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That's why I came to bring you a burrito. Yeah, you came to bring me a burrito before rehearsal, and you were wearing the same outfit as me. <laughs> and my students were like, we ship you. <laughs> Man, I miss that polka dot dress. <laughs> I don't think I've ever in my life owned a polka dot dress, so I don't know who you're talking about now. <laughs> we know that's not true. I owned one. I wore it to the rehearsal dinner for my first wedding. <laughs> oh my gosh. So where can people find us? Well, I feel like we've narrowed down our actual location pretty well by counting in, you know, when the parade and what parade drove past our house. But if we're talking about it on the internet, they can find us on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, at Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OnTheTestPod, and at OnTheTestPod.com. And those are also the easiest ways to contact us because we created those after we created our email address, which is just a slightly, slight bit longer. And we would also very much appreciate it if you would rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends to do the same. Download numbers are important, so if you download it, it helps us out a little bit more than if you just stream it, which I I now download all of my podcasts because I used to just stream them and I'm like, mm, depending on the host they're using, it might help. So I download all of them and going onto iTunes, writing that review, it's a really big help and yep. it makes our hearts feel really happy. And if you don't like this, nobody's making you write a review. You don't yeah. have to. And more importantly, why are you even still listening to us if you don't like this? Like, do you just... Like... I mean, I stopped listening while he was talking about basketball and you had the option to turn it off. I guess like... I guess NSA guy, if you're using this to interrogate prisoners by making them listen to our podcast, I mean, at least write us a good review. That's very unethical. Yeah, seriously, if you are using us to torture prisoners, the least you can do is give us a positive review. And like maybe give us some feedback. Like is like if there's something you want us to cover or like a book you want us to read or just nice things to say about us, we'd appreciate it. Or if you want us to start putting some like secret codes in subliminally, we'll start putting some numbers in there, like those numbers radio stations. We can do that for you. Like yeah. just for oh the right God. for the right price, we're on board. I mean, we are very mercenary. You can buy us. <laughs> I mean, we were just talking today about how we need to get our backyard and our roof redone. So yeah. if you want us to start putting some subliminal messages in, government guys? I mean, I am, I am not above using my podcast to torture prisoners. <laughs> oh, God, I might be above that, actually. I can't believe that's the stance you were just making. I guess we're which, awful people. Which prisoners are we talking about? Because I don't know. Okay, like, Golden State Killer? Absolutely. I don't want him listening to our podcast, and he can figure out where we live. He's in jail, and he's pretending to be in a wheelchair, so... So is Harvey Weinstein. Whatever happened, he had coronavirus. Did he not die? I guess he didn't die. I, we would have heard about it if he died, and I would have come home, and you'd have been dancing around with sparklers. Um, I would never dance around with star sparklers. You've seen me get burned by sparklers. <laughs> They've burned her before. I've been burned by sparklers too many times. It's not happening again. And especially because it's the 4th of July and we're not going to be playing the sparklers. No. And I guess on that note, class, class dismissed. dismissed.